Hello, and welcome to the inaugural Ethics Lab podcast. I am Dr. George Sakaridis. I'm here with Dr. Greg Peterson, and we are excited to be here today to kind of share our ethical knowledge and expertise and wisdom. I'm overstating it with you all, but to have some good discussions about ethics and and just hopefully have some fun. Uh, Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, George. How about you? I'm pretty good. We've had a few gremlins in the audio recording so far, so we're smoothing it out, ready to go. And you might be wondering out there, what is the Ethics Lab podcast all about? So we are here to share ethical discussion, current events, and our own kind of expertise in this podcasting format. But Greg, why don't you give us a little more detail about what our mission is here in the Ethics Lab podcast? Sure. Thanks, George. Yeah, so our mission is really twofold. So on the one hand, we just want to educate the public about matters of ethical importance and to show how what philosophers and other scholars do in ethical theory, how that applies to real life issues. And so really to help people think about tough issues that range anywhere from technology to bioethics to even value issues that, that emerge in politics. The second goal is to look at empirical research that has ethical implications. So when you look at the fields of like neuroscience and economics and psychology, those are all fields that are producing interesting results that tell us about how people behave on average and sometimes people behave well and sometimes they don't. So we want to bring that research to the fore so that people know what's going on and understand the latest cutting-edge research that's out there. Great. And I'm sure our listeners might be wondering who we are. You might know, you might not know, but I'm Dr. George Sakaridis. I am a lecturer here at South Dakota State University in the Philosophy and Religion Department. I teach a wide variety of courses, from intro to ethics, intro to philosophy, to world religions. Greg and I are co-teaching bioethics this semester. I'm originally from Chicago, Illinois, and I did my PhD work there in religion and science. And as you might know, religion and science is an area that kind of covers, you know, ethics, philosophy, theology, religion. It crosscuts a lot of disciplines and, of course, science uh, in various ways. And I've done some research in the cognitive sciences, and I'm all over the map, actually, which is a good thing for a podcast like this. My background educationally is that I did an undergraduate degree in electrical engineering, and then moved on into the world of religion and philosophy. So I, I have this background that kind of crosses uh, many disciplines, as Greg does all, also, and he may tell you about in a minute. But I'm glad to be here today, and uh, we're looking forward to getting this podcast off the ground. Uh, Greg, why don't you tell everyone about yourself? Sure. I, uh, I grew up in Minnesota in the, uh, the suburb of Bloomington, uh, which is a suburb of Minneapolis, and went eventually to the University of Minnesota, where I did work initially in physics, but then caught the philosophy bug and switched to philosophy. And so I graduated from the university with a BA in philosophy, and then uh, wound up at University of Denver and did a PhD there. And from there, did some time teaching in Pennsylvania and came to South Dakota State University in 2002. And I've been here ever since. And I teach in the philosophy program here. 
I'm professor of philosophy and religion, and a lot of my courses are ethics courses. So I teach, among other things, bioethics and environmental ethics. So bioethics is one of the things I do with George currently, and also a bit of political philosophy. And in the spring of 2019, I'll be doing a course titled Experimental Philosophy, but that'll be focusing a lot on, on what's called experimental ethics. So uh, so that's kind of where I am now. Uh, so like George, I, I wear a lot of hats. I, I'm mostly a philosopher, but I'm a philosopher who works a lot with empirical scientists and find that fun and exciting. Yeah, I think that anytime you're, especially in, in the modern age, when you're doing any kind of academic discipline, you're talking to a lot of different partners. You know, ethics is no different. I think, Greg, I've known you for about 12 years. And actually, it, this may be hard to believe, we met about almost 15 years ago now. Uh, while I was still in grad school. That seems like a long, long time ago, and it was. But anyway, uh, if you want to follow the Ethics uh, the ethics Lab in general, but the Ethics Lab podcast, you can follow us on Facebook at backslash South Dakota State University Ethics Lab. Greg, why don't you tell us about the history of the Ethics Lab? How did this come to be? Why are we doing this? How did we end up here? Did we make poor life choices? Were these good life choices? Did we behave badly? Did we behave ethically? Why don't you tell us about how the Ethics Lab came about? Yeah, I think most certainly we, we behaved badly. That's why we're doing this podcast. So, yeah, so the Ethics Lab was uh, founded in 2017. It's a new initiative out of South Dakota State University in the philosophy program here. And the, uh, the idea of it was to reflect some of the same sort of things that that the mission of the podcast is about. So first of all, the Ethics Lab wants to sort of support and develop what's called normative ethics, ethical theory, about a range of issues, but in particular things that are a bit on the applied end of ethics that deal with, with real-world issues that matter to people to provide some clarification. But also, we're interested in supporting empirical study of ethics-related matters. So we have some uh, students who are working in the lab and helping in a variety of ways with research. And uh, we're looking at um, a number of issues. So one of the issues uh, that uh, we've been focused on a bit is what we might call democratic virtues and how those might be manifested in, in various countries in various ways. Um, so our second goal is to support that empirical work. And then a third goal is simply outreach, and the podcast itself is a piece of that outreach. You know, we do things, but we also want the public to know what we do. And as a land-grant university, we're interested in, in supporting public knowledge about things that, that matter. So that's what the lab is about. Uh, last year, uh, we had our first bioethics lecture. So we had uh, Carl Elliott from the University of Minnesota come in. So he's an expert on, on bioethics and in particular has been working recently on, on the issue of whistleblowers and has uh, written a number of, of interesting things about a number of interesting articles about uh, the whistleblowing phenomenon, including the individual who was important in, in uh, revealing one of the most scandalous cases in bioethics in history, the, the Tuskegee syphilis case. This year we have coming up uh, Nicole Hassoun in October and she'll be speaking on issues of, of fairness and access to pharmaceuticals across countries, which is a major, major issue. 
Yeah, that's great. We're really looking forward to hearing Nicole Hassoun speak just in a couple weeks now. I think two weeks from today at time of recording. So by the time you listen, who knows? But uh, uh, hopefully if you hear this before then, you're able to come out and hear that and, and listen. I think one other thing I, our listeners might be interested in, just to give them an idea of what we're individually working on with our own research that might relate to ethics. Greg, is there, are there any projects you have right now that might connect to the podcast or just ethics in general? Sure. Yeah, I have a couple book projects. Uh, so, so they're um, on kind of various timelines, but the most immediate one is one that's connected to this notion of democratic virtues. So my current book project is tentatively titled Just Virtues. And so it's looking at developing a theory of virtue, but one that also really incorporates basic principles of justice that can then lead to Democratic notion of democratic virtues, which I hope to be a second volume uh, later on. Last fall, I was doing some work on empathy, and that may also turn into a book. So looking at the science of empathy, which is quite fascinating because, one, there's some basic issues of how we define empathy. So empathy can mean different things, but empathy is something that in a lot of ways is very, very good. But there are these limits about how people actually employ empathy in their daily lives, which, which can be harmful. And, and so there's actually a, a debate going on among professors right now, scholars, scientists, about how and when empathy is, is good and beneficial and how and when uh, empathy, or at least uh, what might be called parochial empathy, is, is a negative thing. So those are a couple of things I'm, I'm working on. And uh, there's some, some others as well, but uh, those are maybe a you know, topic for some other podcasts. Excellent. Yeah, always leave them wanting more. We have to hold back a little bit. Personally, I'm working on a a larger project on forgiveness, which in some ways doesn't directly connect to ethics, but in in a larger sense, I think how we approach other people and choose to forgive or not forgive is is a very ethical question, and uh, deals with just human relationships in general. So that that's my larger project. I'm currently working on a book. We'll see if it comes to fruition or not, but we're working on that. So for for this inaugural podcast, we wanted to kind of give you a taste of what we might be doing on this podcast. So we'd like to start off with kind of a, let's just say a, a case study that relates to a broader ethical dilemma that is kind of classic in the 20th century. Uh, now the 21st, of course. I didn't forget. Uh, Greg, do you want to introduce the uh, the article that we're going to be discussing today? Sure. So the, the article that we thought might be a good launching point for demonstrating what we do in the Ethics Lab is an article by Jean-Francois Bonifon, written in 2016, published in the journal Science. And the title of the article is The Social Dilemma of Autonomous Vehicles. And this is a kind of topic that, that's very contemporary. So as I'm sure listeners are aware, the, there's a lot of development right now to try to make vehicles that can drive by themselves. So companies like Tesla are, are ambitiously writing software and developing technologies so that ideally one day you don't actually have to drive a car at all. The car can just drive itself. And this sounds in some ways uh, lovely, maybe a little frightening if, if you're, say, a truck driver whose livelihood depends on the idea that trucks are driven by people and not machines. But there are these sort of ethical complications that arise because when you program a car 
to drive, you also have to program it how to make decisions in a sense. And so this brings up some possible ethical quandaries. So for example, let's suppose a car is driving along, um, it sees a pedestrian in the road, and so now the question is, what do you program the car to do? And obviously the best thing to do would be to program the car to avoid the pedestrian, and that way no one's hurt normally. But now imagine this sort of scenario. Suppose the car is driving along and it's on a narrow road that has buildings close by or barriers close by, and now there's a group of pedestrians on the road. And so now the question is, what should the car do? Obviously, it seems it should not hit the pedestrians, but if it swerves, there is a significant risk that the car will hit a barrier and that will kill the driver, especially if it's going at a higher speed. And so now the programmer has a dilemma. Should the car be programmed to preserve the life, lives of the pedestrians or should the car be uh, programmed to preserve the lives of the, of the driver? And that, that sort of reminds us of a more classic problem, at least in recent years, uh, the, the trolley problem. Do you want to reiterate that for us? Sure, sure. So uh, the uh, trolley problem is a, is a kind of classic philosophic, philosophical dilemma. It was first posed in its modern form in the, um, in the late 20th century by a philosopher, Judith Jarvis Thompson. And the, the dilemma, if you're not familiar with it, goes something like this. So imagine that there's a, uh, a runaway trolley or train. The, the engineer of the train has been incapacitated for some reason. And there you are, a pedestrian, uh, walking along, and you see this runaway uh, trolley. And it happens you are standing at a fork in the tracks at which there's also a lever that you can pull that will determine which way the train will go, or the trolley. And so if you just leave everything alone, the trolley will continue on its way, but as you look down the tracks, you will see that there are five people tied to the track further on. And so if you do nothing, the trolley will just run over those people and sadly kill them. So you think, well, I should flip the switch and move the trolley onto the other track. But if, but if I do that, then I see that there's one person tied to that track further down. And so the question now arises, what should I do? Should I let the train go and therefore allow the five people to die? Or should I intervene, but by intervening, I cause the trolley to kill the one person instead? So this is a, a, classic, uh, a, a classic kind of dilemma. And it also, at least as it's standardly put, appears to pit two sort of broad approaches to doing moral philosophy against one another, one of which is called utilitarianism, which focuses on the consequences or outcomes of one's actions, and the other called deontology, which, roughly speaking, is more concerned with the rights of individuals, and so therefore would kind of put a break on this consequentialist thinking um, at times. No pun intended, uh, break. Uh, things but yeah it really does bring those those two ideologies you know head to head because we're dealing with do you actively kill someone to save others or do you just let nature take its course and of course for those that are f uh, fans of the show the good place where one of our main characters is an ethicist of course they might be familiar with this problem from there i, I like seeing these things appear in pop culture also 
just like self-driving trucks also appeared in the simpsons for for fans out there the uh, the the dirty little secret of truck drivers but I, I do see some differences between the autonomous vehicle problem and, and the trolley problem, partly because this is pre-programmed in ahead of time. And so in some ways, there's there's the ethics of the programmer deciding what the priority is. Uh, is it the people, the pedestrians, or is it the driver? But there's also an ethical question for the driver themselves of whether they get in that car. Like, would you... Would you ride in an autonomous vehicle knowing that this might be a possible outcome? And that's an interesting part of the research because when you look at the study done by Bonifant and his colleagues, they, they did some uh, survey data with some subjects. And uh, what they found is, is if you basically present them with the generic form of the dilemma, you have a self-driving car, you have a passenger in the car, but you have pedestrians that it it might hit. Most people, if they're just given that generic form of the dilemma, they'll just say, well, we should save the uh, majority of individuals, and so we should sacrifice the driver for the the good of the many individuals. I'm arguing uh, basically in a kind of simple utilitarian fashion. But then if you ask people if they want to buy a car like that, it turns out that they turn into a little bit of what's called egoists that no one wants to be the driver who has to sacrifice his life or her life in order to save some other folks, even though more folks would be saved. And then as a further wrinkle, if the question is posed whether individuals would like a government regulation to sort of make these this sort of decision-making uniform across cars so that one car isn't programmed to save the five, one another car is, isn't programmed or is programmed to save the driver. People don't like that either. And so this is where the, uh, the, you know, the empirical results become interesting because it, it would seem that people are inconsistent on this, that if you ask them one kind of question, they the answer in what seems like a very ethical sort of way. If you ask another sort of uh, ask another question, it seems like they give something that's very different from the from the first one. And I think this this connects to. I mean, I think part of the difficulty, especially with autonomous vehicles, is that there are so many permutations of this. You know, there are so many situations on a road that can happen that might be unpredictable, or that you as a driver would not know what the car would be actually programmed to do. So even with the trolley problem, in some sense, you can say, well, five people are worth more than one person. It should always be the, the five uh, saved. But at the same time, when you throw um, kind of personal choice, uh, free will, and some other things into the mix, it gets a little bit trickier. I think this is similar to the problem with, I, I talk about this in my, I, have a, I also teach an ethics of informatics class, so it deals with ethics of technology. I think there's some technology issues here because we do the problem of red light cameras uh, and speeding tickets in Chicago, which is where I'm from. Often people will say, well, you should, if you don't want to be caught, don't speed. But then the question is, when technology is introduced, does it take some of the nuance of the situation out of the hands of people suddenly? And so kind of common sense gets thrown out the window. Do you think that would also be a concern with autonomous vehicles? Is there, is there some kind of a common sense missing there? Yeah, possibly. So one of the things we have to be clear about is, is what we mean by common sense, because common sense is, is something that probably is itself formed and involves choice and culture 
and so forth. And so sometimes what we do is we appeal to common sense without really thinking about that, what, that, uh, what that means. But certainly this issue of handing over our decision-making to vehicles, to machines, I think is part of the equation. So the question arises, when do we want human beings in the loop? Do we want them always in the loop when a car is driving? Uh, do we want human beings in the loop when an airplane is flying? So a lot of airplane flight is automated as well. And so this is one case where maybe sometimes you want the machines more in control because under certain circumstances, they might do better than human beings. One area that's really important for this sort of question is if we start thinking about military technologies. So do we want machines that can kill without being supervised by a human being? Um, this is an issue that is a real concern because we have companies that are developing these sorts of technologies and militaries across the world are interested in them. And so this is just one more example of, of the importance that ethical thinking has for our real world decision making. And I think you could argue, and you're sort of alluding to this, that by actually programming cars to make certain decisions in certain situations, you're actually creating a more ethical outcome because that human error or I know that's a biased term, but, you know, taking the humanity out of it actually can, in some cases, create a better system, especially for utilitarians, I would think. Yeah, certainly. So one of the issues with autonomous vehicles is that, you know, even though they might make mistakes. If you look at just the number of accidents that human beings get in, there's an argument to be made that we would all be better off. So again, this would be a kind of utilitarian argument that we'd all be better off if cars drove themselves as long as they reduce the overall number of accidents. So an autonomous driving vehicle might not be perfect, but if all vehicles were autonomous, it might be the case that we could significantly reduce the number of accidents and traffic fatalities and possibly even improve uh, commute times, although those are things that are always promised and never seem to, to happen. <laughs> That's a whole other area of ethics, both commute times and behavior in commute times. But I think that, you know, think about this in terms of, you know, people that are out there driving under the influence too. self-driving cars would potentially eliminate drunk driving, would potentially eliminate, uh, you know, driving while on some kind of a controlled substance. So this this creates there's a lot of upside here, but obviously there are some dilemmas that are raised that we we won't even get to today. But hopefully this starts to get you thinking about what kind of possibilities for ethical questioning are in, in something that's very practically in discussion in our society today. Greg, do you have any other last thoughts on, on autonomous cars uh, before we wrap up here? No, I think that's it. So we just want to whet your appetite a little bit. Uh, go, feel free to you know, see what you can find on autonomous vehicles and get yourself thinking about these sorts of issues. Talk with some of your friends and neighbors and spread the word that the Ethics Lab podcast is something interesting, provocative, and something that uh, you can learn from. Excellent. I think that's well said. And uh, that's it for the Ethics Lab podcast, at least the inaugural edition. I should say the views on this podcast are exclusively the views of George and Greg, respectively. 
and that you can follow us on Facebook at backslash South Dakota State University Ethics Lab. And I think that's it for now. And so until next time, everybody stay ethical out there and uh, just have a great day.